welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I please and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online at the very same time here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You access us as a standard podcast from wherever you get your podcast as Center Left Radio, not, not, not the, uh, not the, not the uh, address that I gave a moment ago. Uh, that's one way to do it. Or if you go to the website, that is the address, www.centerlefttalkradio.com. There are two links. The first will take you to our podcast feed. And if, uh, as you're listening to this show, and if you're listening to it at the time that it's done, uh, which is today, the 1st of November in the year 2022 of the common era, um, you would basically see it at the top of the podcast feed. Uh, if you don't like uh, just simply going with podcasts, uh, you have an option that we call listening to us as part of our radio loop. What is that? Exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it's the show being broadcast as though it, well, as though it were being broadcast, but it's a link, it's an online link that lets you access the show at whatever point in a loop that's running of the show, and the loop is running on a separate computer, and the computer puts the show out, and you hit the link, and you pick up the show at whatever point it happens to be, and you listen in, pretty much as you would, uh, if you're of a certain age, as you would have flicked it on on your car radio as you were driving, or maybe in the kitchen as part of the morning ritual. Uh, it used to be rambling with gambling for those of a certain age who could remember that sort of uh, show that I would listen to as a little kid when we got up in the morning getting ready for school. It was it was a whole ritual. Well, we, we allow you to feel as though we're part of that ancient ritual. Pick up the show wherever it is, listen in, get interested. And the great part about it, of course, is that even if you don't have the time to finish listening to it, for whatever reason, you can come back and listen to it later because it continues to run in a loop. That's the whole point of the radio loop option we give you. And I think we're the only show of its kind that allows that, allows it, offers it, because... We know people like it. Some people like it very much. So there it is for you. Uh, the 1st of November, a Tuesday, and the next Tuesday on the calendar will be uh, Election Day here in America. Uh, election days are becoming... Uh, more emotional and more fraught, and every one of them, of course, as, as you're well aware, listening, uh, uh, has become the most important vote you'll ever take in your life. I, I, I made up cards. I've mentioned this before. We, we made up a series of business cards uh, to hand out in 2018, okay, four years ago, and it said, vote and this again that was a midterm election and this on on whatever the date was uh, blah, blah, 2018 you will make the most important vote you will cast the most important vote of your life and at the time it seemed as though that was an accurate statement and the need to basically um, begin taking back the country from the madness of Trumpism and the illegalities and inappropriatenesses that went with it, and of course the uh, the ensuing uh, impeachments and everything that this this guy this 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 clinical narcissist was in the process of doing, but always doing it you know to an audience and always magnificently manipulating people who enjoyed the Donald show and still do, obviously, very much. Uh, but realizing, those of us who realize, that this is going a little bit too far and has already gone very well off the rails and it's getting damned dangerous. 
the social media content was getting uglier and uglier and, and people were openly uh, promoting all sorts of conspiracy theories and, and, the, and the Pizzagate thing was still going and, and uh, the Hillary Clinton uh, trials and, and, and Senate and, and, and House hearings were, were still, I think they were still going at that point. No, no, after 2016, I think that kind of stopped. But it was getting ugly and Trump was getting weird and the Republicans clearly were unable to respond to him and the ugliness was becoming endemic. It was becoming part and parcel of what Republicans believed, how strongly they would actually embrace and react to and take action based on that. No, it was hard to say at that point. And of course, then January 6th came after that. And, and the vote for Biden, again, the most important vote you'll ever take. And the vote coming up on November the 8th, a week from today, uh, again, the most important vote you'll ever take. And so I, I guess, what am I saying? Uh, not every vote can be can be can be put into the point of of almost have have apocalyptic implications you can't go from election to election every 2 years and basically see the vote as as the either the the genesis of or the mechanism for avoiding a utter an utter apocalypse a democracy can't really work when it's flung that far akimbo, as it were, when both sides are that far apart and both are constantly looking at one another and saying, this is, this is either the gateway to or the door slamming shut on the pathway to our destruction, how you vote and if you vote on November, well, in this case, November 8th, the Tuesday. Um, I, I, the one positive is that we are getting, from, from all indications and with early voting, uh, more voter turnout in this midterm election than even what we had back in 2018, and we and that was some kind of a a record-setting number of people. The problem, of course, is that voting out of fear of the end of democracy as we know it, voting because you believe that one side or the other, and it's not just Democrats believing that Republicans are going to destroy the country. The, 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 that mindset exists on the other side, and one would imagine that it, that it, it pretty much automatically would. If I'm looking at you and I say, you are what stand, I, I am what stands between you and the, and the destruction of this country. If, I, if it's left to you, average Republican on the street, uh, this country is about to go to hell. So if I don't vote you and your party out of, out of power, you will invariably destroy America. And... Even though there are plenty of examples to give about how Republican, uh, for the most part, I would say Republican ignoring, Republicans ignoring the worst of what their party is doing or, or, or the, the embrace of a lot of conspiracy theories, even though there's plenty of proof that that has dug in and is probably now embraced by more than half the Republican Party, all of the, this, the big steel, and now we have the whole Nancy Pelosi's husband situation and how this is being twisted. And, and, uh, but, but is or are Republicans or will Republicans in control spell automatically the doom of our democracy. 
And, and, yet, and I have to ask it that way because that is a premise that's going around. I, I also ask it that way because <laughs> more and more in the last several days, I am hearing the, you know, through uh, democratic media sources, hearing the doom and gloom uh, predictions coming out that even with early voting uh, and, and, that, and the early voting and the mail-in balloting always tending to go more towards the Democratic side, even with that, there seems to be, I, I don't want to say a, uh, a resignation to the probability of a uh, Republican takeover, but more and more... Uh, a, a deference to the likelihood, I don't know how else to put it, that Republicans may very well take over the House and could very well take over the Senate. Hey, we wouldn't be surprised. And In fact, in fact, I, I saw something very interesting yesterday afternoon. Uh, I was watching MSNBC. Nicole Wallace's uh, two-hour slot. Uh, Jason Alexander had it. And he's a bit of a firebrand, very bright guy, but, but very, very um, heavily opinionated and, and willing to really, uh, you know, sock it to the other side as hard as possible. Uh, about, as, about as tough um, a democratic position as you would get within the MSNBC universe. But he did something very odd yesterday, I, I felt. And that was, he began talking about how the Democrats really just have never really gotten the message across in this cycle. And, 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 and I was, I was it, it had this, for him especially, who was pushing and he's a firebrand, and, and, it, and it had this air of, how, well, what I heard, what I, what I, and I, no, I can't say what I, what I heard. What I read into it was, I'm setting you up, the listener, the viewer of this show, for uh, the likelihood that this is going to go down the tubes, that we're going to lose the House and Senate, that, that, and honestly, this is going to go pretty much the way that most midterm elections go after one party has won the presidency and they tend to lose uh, the House and or the Senate in the next cycle. That is within the modern scope of the way American politics go. My God, a, a, an air of normalcy. But the way he was expressing it, he was trying to lay it at the feet of the politicians themselves who have not gotten the story, have not gotten the message across to the American people. And, and, I, and, I, and I stopped and I thought about this and I said, well, wait a minute. You're, aren't you basically, or when, and, I, and I see all this footage, I see all, and I, and I hear all these interviews on, on the show, and the show, and it, if you were just to hear all that, one would think that Democratic politicians are, in fact, have, in fact, been, been really in line and, and in, I wouldn't say lockstep, but pretty much of the same mind and expressing the type of opinions that MSNBC and other stations of its ilk and other media sources of its ilk have been expressing throughout this campaign season. The season has been a year or more. That, that's how campaign seasons are these days. And yes, the primary issues have shifted. It winds up being the economy. Abortion is right behind it over there. And then you start getting into crime, of course, and you start getting eventually into, into some other... And, and I, I think the fifth issue is, is immigration. But the economy is at top, and abortion and crime are pretty much at the same level. Now, abortion, if you'll recall, was the top issue for a while there, but still rates very highly. And the biggie, though, winds up being crime. 
Okay, crime is up in big cities, all right? Why is crime up in big cities? There are many reasonable, I mean, you, you can explain it largely by COVID and post-COVID conditions, economic conditions that have gone awry, lack of, 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 lack of basic, uh, lack of people in positions of responsibility. Frankly, fewer numbers of police out in a lot of different areas and things, uh, the, the lack of the educational system being able to keep people in line for over nearly two years in big cities, being shuttered down because of school, kids basically being influenced outside of the normal processes that were there, and guns therefore flowing, crime being up. How far up? The, the worst of crimes might be up by 30 or 40 percent. But is there, are there people running through the streets? Is it a constant state of, of death and destruction? No, no, it, it's, it's not that. But there's more of the worst kind of crimes, and that's the stuff that winds up on air. This is the stuff that you wind up hearing about. Is it a real problem? By God, it is. Have we been here or anything like here before? Have we ever reached the levels of crime that we're experiencing right now? Oh, yes, of course. In the 70s and 80s, we went through that. And did we ever find our way out of it? Yeah. We did. In fact, here in New York, uh, a major mechanism, two different, two different mechanisms were utilized. Uh, one was community policing, where the police and the community, under a series of programs, were brought together. And this was in very, very targeted communities. Uh, under the de Blasio administration, that was one of the things that was done. And crime really was brought down tremendously. Um, the, in the prior administration, under the Bloomberg administration, it was essentially, there was a profiling. They used profiling as a way of saying, here are the probable people who will be committing crimes. And that brought crime rates down tremendously as well. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the federal courts ultimately ruled against the use of profiling as a police method. And I think that's where that stands right now. But with the, with the community policing methods that were out there, this worked up until we got into the COVID cycle. And the COVID cycle blew everything up. With the, with the lack of jobs, with the whole economic instability, with kids no longer being within the influence of the school system, it really has thrown a monkey wrench into the criminal system uh, or, 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 the, or the criminality. It has basically allowed... Uh, situations that would otherwise be under control by one mechanism or another to kind of run askew. And there have been losses in the total number of people in positions that are designed to overcome this. In the police, uh, you, you see it in the in, certainly in, in Rikers Island, for example, here in New York, uh, they are desperately understaffed right now. And what staff they have, because of the understaffing, is taking advantage of a program that allows these people unlimited sick time. And you're getting heavy, heavy doses of that on top of everything else. And the prisons are filling up like crazy because of the criminality. It's in, it's, it's in a bad sick situation and it's something that we have to work through and get out of now 
So is it any surprise that as a closing argument, as it were, for this election cycle, Republicans, who are very good at, at, at reading the in, reading the the directives on the uh, on, on 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 the sheet that gets passed around, basically are uniformly around the country grasping and holding on to crime, 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 crime. It's it's Willie Horton time all over again. You go and you pick any situation you want. Democrats are soft on crime. Republicans are tough. Democrats want to defund the police. We've got to go ahead and we've got to get more police. We've got to spend more money on police. we got to be tough. we got to get more. we got to get more guns on the street. Whatever it is, the easiest the easiest and slickest and, and most simplified way of getting people to say, you feel bad, you're frightened, the criminals are out there, the Democrats can't do it, we will. History says that you don't. You work through these processes. No amount of, of, of rhetoric on a campaign short of... Uh, basically putting in programs and mechanisms to deal with crime. It's not going to happen. Democrats have done exceptionally well in dealing with crime when programs are followed through. Republicans are not successful, and they've been using, playing, playing the criminal, the, the crime message again and again. The message does nothing. You don't change anything by putting out this message. You don't make anything better. It just doesn't happen that way. You, 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 can't, you can't make it go away because you yell and scream at it and accuse somebody else of it. You can get people to respond and get angry, maybe even do criminal things if they get angry enough, get out a conspiracy theory or two or three or five in social media and get people to respond to that. But you can't end crime by pointing a finger at Democrats. It does nothing a week from now. It does nothing a month from now. It does nothing six months from now. These things operate cyclically, but the cycles require a structured approach to changing things. If you can't outright end, change the entire uh, criminal justice system to make everybody who, who, you know, who, who spits gum on the street will instantly wind up in prison, that can't work either. You can't instantaneously raise the number of prison guards at Rikers Island or any place else. You can't bring in seasoned police instantaneously. You can't legally change policing methodologies. You can't undo the economic and the social impact of COVID on the communities, on poorer communities. You can't just do that by being angry and tough instantaneously. It just doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. It's never happened that way. But if you listen to, again, I'm going to go back to, uh, to Jason on, on um, what would have been Nicole Wallace's show yesterday afternoon, it, it sounded like the Democrats hadn't made their pitch, hadn't gotten their crime message correct. Now, you can't change the fact that crime is up. But, and, but what I would do if I, were, if I were on the campaign trail, I would say crime is up and it's affecting all of us. It's up because, and, 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 and explain why. And it's not because, basically, Democrats want crime to happen. Or it's not because any one particular district attorney basically wants to send people away bail-free. No, that's nothing, but, that's nothing but a red herring. 
You have to look at things systemically. And you have to look at what happened during COVID. And you have to look at the fact that we've been in situations like this before and we can get out of them. But we have to do it thoughtfully, systemically, systematically, and with a willful desire on the part of all of us to make something good happen for the benefit of everyone. You can't end crime in any big city or anywhere in the country by simply putting out a campaign slogan. And by the way, this goes, this is true of any issue you want to put out there and blaming the other side, except when it comes to insurrection and the conspiracy theories and the insanity that has lately taken over the Republican Party. You see, th this is where there's another disconnect here. How dare Democrats basically accuse Republicans of, of disloyalty to the country when it's Democrats who want to destroy the... Who are you, you Democrats, to tell me that I am disloyal to my country? You, might, you know, the one with the upside-down flag and Donald's name and the second flag underneath it. Yeah, that, that I, I guess... Who, who are you to tell me that I can't support these? Yes, I know they're saying all this stuff. What, what do you mean? What do you mean we're going to lose democracy? We're going to lose democracy. But democracy isn't going anywhere. We're still going to be democratic. We're just going to run the place better. There's, oddly enough, historically... This is part of the way the country works. We, we do have this, this shift from one party to the other. As I said earlier, we're, we're, we're in that pendulum movement, and we're going there right now, it seems, it seems, by virtue of uh, the, the, the normal course of, 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 of political uh, fortunes that have been part and parcel of our uh, election, election system since the end of the Second World War. This is a cycle that Republicans should win, and win pretty, pretty handily. But you can't ignore, I can't ignore, the madness surrounding January 6th and the false notion that Donald won and he was cheated and the willingness of Republicans to ignore all that and ignore anything, any moral, ethical, or even capacity flaw you know, in, in there of any candidate just to get the numbers up because, well, they're pretty desperate about what they think their country should be. And so we need numbers in Congress. Now, if you really didn't want to have a country and if you really just wanted to take things over, well, you wouldn't even bother with elections. I mean, the, the elections would become meaningless right now. Granted, when you go ahead and you gerrymander districts and you, you basically, as a, as a numerical minority, set things up so that you have a, a good chance at winning, well, okay, that's, you know, that's tells you that you're, you're doing something with, with, uh, uh, with uh, elections and you're doing something with democracy, but this sort of thing has been going on for quite some time. Yes, it's more garish and egregious and it's more in your face because the permissiveness uh, that's out there is making it that way. It's, it's, it's validating the right to do this because if we don't do this, we'll lose our country, says the Republicans. But for now, they're at least still thinking about doing it through the ballot box. Then there's the other side of that that as many as a hundred different lawsuits have already been filed challenging an election that has yet to, well, it's beginning to take place, but, they were but these lawsuits were filed even before um, the early voting started, and the vast, vast, vast majority coming from Republicans. 
Because Donald has put it in the playbook that if you lose, the other side cheated, and you yell and scream and jump up and down and try for an insurrection. If, you, if you're me, you go ahead and you bring people and you try, to, you try to basically storm the Capitol, and you go ahead and you stop the election process. And, you know, well, things might get out of hand, but what the hell? As long as you get what you want. You wait four hours, you don't say a thing, you're the only person left who could stop the insurrection, but you wait and see if that just, just if... Uh, wait and see if maybe they actually do stop the election. Don't, you know, let it go. And meanwhile, and 18 months later, or more than that, uh, 20 months later, you're still, you still haven't been indicted for your crime. And people see that. That's, that's the big, 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 that's the 800-pound gorilla in the, in the room. And I, and I said as much on, la, on our last show. I believe that all of this other garbage, all of the other lies, all of the conspiracy theories, all of the insanity of social media, all of the, all of the finger pointing that says, you're taking down the country. No, no, you're taking down. You're, all of that will be brought, the fever pitch running with that can be brought down. We can bring ourselves back to something resembling what we were, I don't know, 20 years ago, even 15 years ago as a nation. We were going in a wrong direction. Now we're going to have to change that direction. But, but the factor that must be dealt with is the Donald factor. As long as Donald can be out there yelling and screaming and jumping up and down and others can follow, was it Carrie Lake is, oh, she's, be, oh, she's doing great. She's, she's Donald, Donald-defying everything. Uh, she, she was, uh, there was a piece that I saw yesterday. Um, she was doing a campaign and they were talking about uh, somehow the issue of uh, of having protection of, of, of congressional members and, and, and protecting people's homes. Oh, no, they were talking about protecting schools. And, you know, we should have, we should, we have to have protection in school. They didn't want to talk about what happened in, in, uh, in Texas down there where, where, with all the protection. Well, that's another story. But she said, we, sh- we should have had uh, protection. And we, you need protection. Uh, boy, they had, it, they, and, and she made a, a quip like, Jeez, they, 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 they sure didn't have enough of that over in Pelosi's house or words to that effect. Well, her audience, a small audience, begins laughing hysterically at the notion, at, at the idea that, ha, ha, look at that, that was a good one. And they're laughing over the fact that an 82-year-old guy, Pelosi's husband, was attacked with a hammer by an obvious Looney Tune politically motivated, all of the filings say that, but the fact that a, a person running for office can feel absolutely empowered to, with very, with the least amount of subtlety, and knowing there's going to be a laugh line and knowing how sick the mentality is that would allow to make this a laugh line. You would have, 20 years ago, you would have avoided any statement like that. By now, there would have been in Congress, both sides, the, the, the speaker and the minority leader would have gotten together. There would have been a moment in Congress. There would have been everybody signing a joint resolution saying we condemn all this. You don't hear a damn word from Republicans. If you hear an occasional word. Mitch McConnell said something. But the vast majority of Republicans are not saying a word. Or in the case of someone on the trail, like a Kerry Lake, it's, it's, it's a laugh line that, the, pre, that the, the, the husband of the Speaker of the House is attacked with a hammer in his own house. That's a laugh line. See, this, this is because the permissiveness that has, that has been leached into our political system by Donald as the starting point for all this, this has this is running amok. And I and I, I will add something more to what I said on my last show. We ca- we have to get him out. 
He must be taken down legally, judicially. He must be indicted, tried, convicted, and incarcerated. Period. That's it. The guy who attacked Paul Pelosi is going to be held without bail, most likely in San Francisco. He will probably spend the better part of the remainder of his life, if not all of it, in jail, in prison. There's a 30-year penalty on the state side in California for attacking the family member of a politician for purposes basically of, it, it's, 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 a, it's a terrorism uh, charge in essence. And this guy is going to be put in there. Well, Donald is out after two impeachments and, and inciting uh, the, <laughs> an insurrection against the government of the United States. And he's still out there. He hasn't even been indicted on the Mar-a-Lago, and that's a slam dunk. Or at least it would appear to be the best of the slam dunks. And, and the trial, basically, the New York State trial against his, his companies, that's beginning. Jury selection is completed. Opening statements are going there. So we're beginning that process. But it has to happen soon. Clearly, nothing's going to happen to Donald between now and next Tuesday, judicially speaking. I, I, I imagine. I mean, it, you, you talk about October surprises. If, if Donald were indicted by the Justice Department between now and then, but no, no, no. Uh, you know, uh, our, uh, the, the, our Merrick Garland plays by the rules. He is a rational, reasonable, incredibly measured guy, but he basically never takes his eye off the prize either. And I have, I have to believe that he's going to deal with Donald exactly as Donald deserves to be dealt with, which is to say to indict, try, convict, and incarcerate the guy. He'll, he'll pay his price, but we're, we're getting to the point where the delay in this happening is so emboldening so many politicians, it's emboldening the election, the electoral process, the campaign process, in the ugliest of ways, it's allowing people to react in, in, in such absolutely, miserably ugly ways. And I, I take the Kerry Lake example there. We, we, he, he has to be, Donald has to be addressed directly. He must be removed from the system in a very specific sort of a way, vis-a-vis -vis the legal system. And it has to happen relatively soon. There, I, I, I feel that we're approaching a point of diminishing returns here, where if we don't allow something to happen to this guy, if the justice system if either the state, federal, local, city, any one of the systems that, that currently has him in their legal cr crosshairs, if this guy does not take a judicial hit, a legal hit sometime soon, the impact of any, any, anything happening to the guy is going to be that much more diminished going forward. And it, there will be people within the Republican Party who will feel as though they can continue his like, or someone may rise up and become the bearer of the ages, the, the carrier forward of the Donald legacy before Donald can be taken out of the scene, before the impact of him leaving under judicially challenging circumstances and really being negated that way is able to really be felt within the entire political process in this country. Donald must be taken down judicially, legally. He must basically be, in, he must be uh, indicted, he must be tried, he must be convicted, he must be incarcerated. This is important. For lack of this, we are basically allowing his methodology 
to continue to infect the Republican Party. And rather than it just being another way of amusing itself at the time, it will become a mechanism for ultimately cementing the party into his mindset. I don't know that that's the case just yet. There are pockets of rationality left in the Republican Party. And unless Donald is shown to be subject to the operation of law, it will get to a point where rationality and legality will no longer be an issue. Holding on to power by any means will be all that matters and any means will be deemed permissible. We're, we're, we're pushing in that direction. We, even Republicans, and, 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 and I think they, they don't wanna say this out loud, but they want this guy they want the orange-haired one to basically have to pay the price that anyone else would have to pay for what he has done. He should legally and judicially be convicted. This is what is required. If you don't do that, you continue to make the madness matter. I, uh, yeah, I keep coming back to the same place, don't I? This, this is what I see. And, and in an odd way, it, it's, a, it's a message of hope, strangely enough, because I believe that by, by basically uh, removing this, the main incitement to all this, you, you're, 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 draining, you're draining the abscess. You, you have to get past... You have to get past Donald to let this abscess begin to drain. And we'll get back to more or less the equivalent balance that we were in before. And people will no longer feel both enabled and obligated to run in extreme directions and, and the willingness to grasp onto the wildest possible conspiracy theories, some of that at least will begin to ease away. It won't continue to expand. We'll at least hit a stasis point and begin diminishing it. But we've got to do the obvious, and that is make the guy who started the whole process, or at least, I mean, yeah, the underlying elements were all there. The, 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 the nature of what was there, the, the atmosphere within which for Donald to build his insanity was there. But he's got to basically leave the stage in a very public way, and people have to see that you can be punished if you, in fact, break the law. You can't let him go on and on and on. That will begin to, to filter through the system. It sounds simplistic, but I think it's, it's common sense. I mean, if there's no, if there's no uh, you know, no penalty... No, I'm, I'm, Donald can keep doing it. You keep looking over your shoulder. Well, Donald did it. I can do it. Kerry Lake, Kerry Lake basically feel, feels Donald, uh, Donald's way is supporting her. She feels she can get away with this crap. And some guy, you know, uh, some QAnon freak breaks into the Pelosi house and attacks people with a hammer and, you, you know. But you got, you gotta, you gotta make the point. And I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if you agree with me or not. I, I, I just don't see any other way. This is where we start. We start by showing that there is a price to pay for illegality. You can't basically try to take down the country and then say, now I dare you to make me pay a price for it. Donald's got to pay the price that any other American would pay for the actions that he's undertaken, which is to say he should have been in jail already for well over a year. But we will see. We will see. We'll see where we are in a week uh, after Election Day. 
We'll see how the country responds. I, I continue uh, saying what I said in the last show. We're going into a two-year period which will define the next phase of American democracy. We're, we're ending the post-war phase of American democracy, post-World War II phase, in the next two years. We will be a whole new environment, and we'll see where America decides it wants to go or stops trying to go. I'm not sure. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Honest to God, I'm hopeful that we can re-inject rationality back into our system, that we can have political conflict and we can have, we can have intense differences of opinion about policy without having to destroy, that we could do it within the context of a functional democracy. But we'll see. The next two years will tell us. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. We're in for a bumpy ride. Thank you, Betty Davis. And, uh, oh, perfect moment. Perfect moment. For a little jazz. This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more 
tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The, the fear of decency, the fear that if I, if I act in a civilized manner to you, even with our political differences, if I will, that I'll lose everything unless I am garish and mean and release every bit of my anger, the Donald effect. We've got to get past that. And the only way to do it is to take Donald to task. <laughs>